We are outdoor ladies who hunt, shoot, and fish, all while working in conservation and chasing kids. I am Julia Plugge with the Nebraska Game and Parks Commission. I'm Rachel Alice with the Iowa Department of Natural Resources. I am Megan Weiskup with the Iowa Department of Natural Resources. And I'm Tana Fancher with the Kansas Department of Wildlife, Parks, and Tourism. Follow us on our outdoor adventures. Welcome back to She Goes Outdoors. A couple episodes back, we met Ashley Peterson, youth and female shooting sports advocate with Midway USA Foundation. Uh, you know, and, and many times in that conversation, while we were interviewing her, we mentioned the 4-H shooting sports organization. And during that time, you know, we kept maybe dropping hints that we were going to talk about that opportunity and that program in more detail uh, in episodes to come. And so this is the episode that you've been waiting for to learn more about that program. If you haven't heard that episode, I'd I certainly encourage you to jump back and listen to it. Uh, there's some connectivity to what we're going to talk about today. This episode, we're going to dedicate specific time to the 4-H shooting sports and talk about the need for instructors. I have the pleasure of being able to volunteer some time at the National 4-H shooting sports competition that has been hosted in Nebraska, uh, specifically in Grand Island, a number of times. It used to be one of my favorite weeks of the year, getting out there and meeting literally thousands of youth, 18 and younger, that are absolutely amazing in their skill in the shooting sports. And not only that, their leadership among other things. And so that's why I wanted to make sure we talked about that program in more detail today. Those kids honestly could outscore adults. And it's just absolutely amazing in their shooting skills and, and so on. Uh, so here we go. Uh, we're going to connect you to our guest today. And I'm going to hand the mic over to Megan. Thank you, Julia, and, and I just couldn't agree with you more. Um, the, the 4-H shooting sports program and 4-H in general is, has just been a staple around the nation for many years. Um, even if you may not have participated in it, you probably definitely have at least heard 4-H come up um, in the community. It, it's just such a, a well-known program and, and gives youth and even you know adults and, and, and parents and, and stuff so much experience and, and opportunities, not only in, in the shooting sports, which we're going to focus on today, but just a lot of great life skills that those folks will carry forward for many years to come. So I'm super excited to talk about 4-H and I think, you know, almost all of us could has a connection somehow to someone being involved in 4-H uh, while they were growing up. In Iowa, we've been fortunate enough to work with the, the local 4-H program through our Iowa State University Extension Office, which is kind of what houses it here in Iowa, um, and collaborating on the Youth Hunter Education Challenge for multiple years. And then we also actually got our start to, to bringing on our now full-time archery education coordinator through a partnership position that we shared with 4-H Shooting Sports. So um, they definitely have been very viable to us in Iowa to, to get the shooting sports to the level it has become today. Super excited to, to talk with Tammy today. So Tammy Sturr is a youth development extension educator for the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. 
we won't hold that against her from being from <laughs> Iowa, uh, especially in the 4-H program. So Tammy works with the 4-H shooting sports from the grassroots level to a national trainer for shooting sports coordinators. And super excited for you guys to hear a little bit more about the, the training program. Um, they it's it's pretty intense and it's amazing the the amount of uh, skills and and stuff resources that they give their trainers that are coming up through the program so um, definitely stay tuned to that later in the program she loves teaching almost all things outdoors to youth as well as training adults to teach for over 20 years now she co-hosts a monthly program coordinator coffee um, the first friday of each month reviewing skills and knowledge to coordinate high quality experiences for youth utilizing shooting sports clubs so welcome tammy we're excited to have you today thank you i'm excited to be here. I love listening to your podcast. Well, Tammy, thanks so much. And um, I just, I've got some questions for you. I have to admit, I worked at the uh, Rock Springs 4-H Ranch in Junction City, Kansas when I was younger, and I absolutely love that experience, but I really don't know very much about the actual organization, about 4-H and their programming. So can you tell us a little bit about exactly what 4-H is and how you become a member? Sure. So 4-H has been around for almost 120 years. And so next year in 2022, we'll be celebrating the 120th anniversary of um, the start of 4-H. And the whole idea of 4-H started because they wanted to take um, young boys in this case, right back 120 years ago, and they wanted to improve farming practices. And so they gave them kernels of corn and sent them home to plant and then to teach their dads. Well, that kind of tradition just kept following. And so then they ended up adding canning clubs for girls. And um, now fast forward 120 years, right? And we're having robotics clubs that are really advancing the technology side and the science side of 4-H. So the whole idea of 4-H is gathering these young people and teaching them skills that they'll be able to use for life, but also to go back in and teach their families and really create community change on the skills that we need at any time. Because we know if we can teach the youth, um, they'll teach their parents. So the other part of 4-H, which is interesting, most people think of the traditional 4-H club where young people gather together with a 4-H leader. They practice parliamentary procedure, have meetings, do community service projects. That is a large part of 4-H, no doubt about it. But when we end up talking about numbers today in this program, we also have 4-H camps where youth go to an offsite place outside of their community, sometimes in their community, and they'll spend a couple of days learning about different skills. So shooting sports is one of our big camps. And then also we have what's called school enrichment when we, where we go into the school and do 4-H school enrichment and teach skills around science, technology, engineering, and math. Like the big one most people think about is embryology where we take eggs into the classroom and incubators and help them hatch and learn about the life cycle. So there's a lot of different ways that we reach young people. And right now, my most favorite way is in 4-H after school. And I do a lot of teaching of archery and hunting skills and outdoor skills in the 4-H after school program across the two counties I serve. Wow. I heard so many different and exciting, interesting programs that you mentioned there. I mean, robotics, that's so cool. I grew up in a very urban area. And when we heard about 4-H, a lot of the times it was very um, ag-based. So like people showing animals and things like that. So I guess I was under the impression that it really was just that. But you mentioned that there's a huge variety of programs can you talk a little bit more about some of those programs that are different than maybe what people might think of as like traditional 
programs? And then also, um, is this something that's in urban areas? I mean, it clearly was because I came in contact with it as well, but it's not just a rural thing. And I think some people like myself might have some of those misconceptions. Yeah, absolutely. So 4-H is part of the land-grant university system, which every state has a land-grant university, which means that anybody in any state can participate no matter where you're located. So when we get into the urban areas, um, yes, there's definitely less livestock, or if there is livestock, like in Omaha, we have an inner city program where actually they raise livestock and have mentors, um, so they're not keeping it themselves or keeping it in a combined barn. But we also have photography. That is a big area that a lot of people enjoy and learn about. Um, the STEM clothing area, fiber art, I just taught a lesson on the difference that now how you used to like make a skirt, right? In 4-H. And so what I was teaching is about wearable technology. And so like I introduced the youth in one of my classes I did in December to a scientist who what, if you think of a tea towel, like the white tea towel, and it they're making veins to go inside of people, or they're studying how you can take the skin or hide of a pig and place that on a burn victim. And so all these type of different technologies are things that 4-Hers get introduced to, not only in their projects, but then we introduce them to the scientists or the researchers that are helping come up with these projects. Wow, how fascinating. There are so many different opportunities there. That is just so cool. Absolutely. And we do the same thing with shooting sports. So I take our shooting sports kids into Lincoln and we met the UNL rifle team. And um, it was so great because one of my alumni were there and she actually went to Kentucky to shoot. She didn't stay with UNL, but she actually let the kids watch her get ready. And she verbally um, explained what she was doing in her mental preparation. So as she's putting, and you guys know those shooting sports suits, right? When you get in the rifle program, they make you really stiff in the arms and the legs to hold your positions. And so she is explaining the suit and how it's made. And then why she does what she does and how she puts her gun together. And it was just fascinating to be able to take the any project in 4-H and find that next level to introduce the youth to so they can actually see what's possible in the future. It's, it's so cool to hear the excitement you have about all these different avenues that you can go down through 4-H. And I grew up in Massachusetts and, and everyone assumes, you know, it's a coastal uh, state so therefore it's it's urban but we actually had 4-H and in the county next to me and so we'd go over and and we actually learned farm items um, in as city kids if you will which was pretty cool but um, they had a really cool rocket program and that my brother got into so it was yeah it's fun to see that based on that land-grant university that 4-H really has a nationwide reach and and hearing your your enthusiasm for anyone that's kind kind of looking to get into the conservation world into um, different career paths. I, I want to step back here a minute and, and kind of hear a little bit more about your journey. How did you, how did you get started in this avenue and, and what, where did you go? Well, let's start with my family, right? The biggest influence we have in our life is our family and my um, family went camping. And so being outdoors was very natural and I enjoyed that thoroughly water skiing, um, fishing has always been a part of our life. Um, our family farms were along the Republican River that my grandparents had. 
And so that was a part of how I grew up and out hiking the pastures and finding sheds, which deer antlers that have um, fallen off because they regrow each year. And so um, I grew up in that way and was able to go out and explore the creeks and the rivers and things. So I was very blessed that way. And then when I went into college, I actually got a degree in organizational communication because I love to train people. So I was in training and development. And then my master's is in leadership. And when I looked at careers, I assumed I was probably going to be teaching college or something. But this job came open in extension and my in-laws called me and they said, here's a job description in the newspaper and it's you. And so I applied for it. And so my first job was out in Seward County, Nebraska. And that's where I got introduced to um, the world of 4-H beyond being a 4-H leader, which I had been up until that time in my home county. And they were really into shooting sports. And the shooting sports leaders are passionate. So they sat in my office quite a bit. And one day, Dwayne is his name. He came in and was talking to me about, we need a training here. And so they brought a training in. He said, we want you to get trained. And so I was first certified in pistol. Now, not to scare anybody on pistol, the kind of pistol we're talking about is air pistols and operates more like a BB gun. And I went through the training and embarrassingly, I shot the table. And so you, you think about little things like that. You're like, oh my gosh, if I'm a woman that's never been around this, how am I going to get into this? It's okay. <laughs> because before I shooting sports, these instructors, they work with kids all the time. So they're so good about like building back up your self-esteem and forgiveness and, um, and keeping you safe, right? Even though I shot a table, I was still um, safe and everybody in the room was safe with the safety goggles on and things like that. But they definitely taught me how to keep my trigger finger on the side of the pistol and never on the trigger itself until I'm ready to shoot. So little lessons like that come along. Anyway, and it hooked me. I, the people that I was working with in the 4-H shooting sports world were wonderful. And then the state coordinator contacted me and actually asked me to become a part of the training team. And so I go in and I um, started teaching, how do you coach? How do you teach and the theory behind that? So our 4-H shooting sports coaches could put together a really good training plan. And that's how I got involved and I'm hooked. And so I got certified in archery and then I got certified in hunting skills. And most recently I got certified in muzzleloader. And then along there, I guess I kind of missed part of a big part of my journey, which is the coordinator curriculum. Because as a staff member, that's my job is to work with these leaders and make sure they have, whether it's funds or extra help or safety equipment. And when I was at the coordinator training in Raton, New Mexico, which if you guys have never been to the training center there, please go take a trip to the Whittington Center. They were training me on how to be a coordinator. And I kept looking at them and saying, this isn't the way it works in rural areas. And so two years later, they called me up and said, hey, will you rewrite the coordinator curriculum with Dr. David White out of Oregon State University? And I rewrote the coordinator curriculum and launched that two years ago. And now we've been certifying um, coordinators across the United States that go back into their states and certify. So in our state, Chandra Giles and I are the coordinator trainers. And so we train um, coordinators that work either with club programs or county programs on everything from fundraising to managing volunteers to what do you do when bad stuff happens and how do you respond to the media on it? So that's a little bit of my 
20 year journey here of how I got to where I am. That's awesome. Yeah. 20 years in under 30 seconds. Go. You handled it perfect. I'm amazed. It's just so cool to to hear everyone that we've had on this podcast, their trajectory of where they thought they were going and where they've ended up has always been this crazy, awesome path that it's just fun to hear about. I know that most of us on this call have very similar, you know, we were headed in this direction and we took a right once and then we never looked back. So it's, it's fun to hear your story also. So th- thanks for sharing. Yeah. And Rachel, I want to add on that because now I'm in American Hamilton counties in Nebraska as an extension educator. And when they hired me, they hired me for STEM, the science, technology, engineering, and math. And I think that shooting sports is the perfect way to teach science, technology, engineering, and math. And then we also have other initiatives around citizenship and healthy lifestyles in 4-H and career development. So thanks for asking that. So we put together healthy lifestyles just um, during the pandemic. My colleague and I, who's a healthy lifestyle educator for extension, we did um, how to keep strong when you can't be out at the range and how to strengthen your core for archery. And uh, so I'm, I'm really blessed that I can choose however I want to do some education for 4-H and definitely shooting sports and outdoor skills is the way I like to go. It really sounds like 4-H like teaches you how to be an adult and how to function in the world in a lot of different ways. Um, Are you guys accepting folks over the age of 18? (laughs) Because I can use some instruction. That sounds wonderful. Right. That's the thing about it is as soon as you're 18, then you become an instructor. I have a furniture that was part of the class of 2020. And he had his, we call it apprentice certification in shooting sports. And just as soon as October 1st opened and he could re-enroll, he re-enrolled as a leader. And just to be a part of that community, because the other part about this is we develop adults and those adults work with kids and you get to have fun and you get to go shoot. And a lot of times I take my interns that are first day and we go shoot archery. It's a great way to get to know each other and usually I'm kind of backhanded on that because I want them to come volunteer at the National 4-H Shooting Sports Championships, which I coordinate all the volunteers out there. So I, so we do that. So yes, the adults get to come into the program, um, learn the same skills the youth do so they can either turn around, support them or help them. So get signed up as a 4-H volunteer and we would love to have more people. I just might be an example of that. <laughs> and Tana, <laughs> yes, you can become a member. Oh, I, I guess a member as an adult because I was a 4-H'er from eight to 18. And then by 19, I was volunteering. And by 2021, I was at that level of volunteering, instructing, and now at the age that I'm not going to say here, almost 20 years later, here I am, that 4-H mom, and it's went by so fast, but it's it's absolutely a blast, and here I am at my, uh, my kiddos are in 4-H, and I'm volunteering, and county has called on me to even be a superintendent, so you do, you, you stay, once a 4-H'er, always a 4-H'er is... Um, a good way that I think that should be a shirt once a 4-H'er always a (laughs) Mm 4-H'er but I want to step back to what Tammy mentioned a while ago and one of the main activities that she did as a youth was shed hunting and that's funny because that was the topic of our episode just last week and so here we are talking that one again one of those activities that she did as a youth 
um, with shed hunting. So we're making a lot of connections here. I want to get into the numbers, Tammy. So many amazing opportunities for these youth to do. And I want to brag a little. I guess maybe, Tammy, we could say we're bragging. I don't know. Maybe it's not even bragging. Just impressive numbers that how many youth are participated in the program, both at our Nebraska state level and at the national level. I have seen Fertan examples just at the national level, and that is just what maybe the top four per discipline in each of the states. You know, the, the whole town, if you're from Nebraska of Grand Island, I mean, basically is full with these awesome 4-Hers that are competing. Now let's take that to the even those that are participate just at their county and their state level. Um, how many are there out there? Yeah, so well, just to clarify what Julie is saying is the when somebody qualifies for the national championships for 4-H, they only get to go once. And so you want to make sure you're at the top of the game. Only four people get to come from for shotgun. So when she says discipline, four people in air rifle, air pistol, four people in archery. So you have to be the top in your state. And if you're in a state like Texas, you're in huge competition to be able to come out to Grand Island to the championships. So when we talk about numbers for the championships, you're talking about seven different disciplines and they bring the top four in their state and then all their coaches and their families that come out to watch. So those numbers aren't as high, but nationally 4-H shooting sports has 20,000 volunteers who reach approximately 500,000 kids in wow. 2019. Wow. I haven't seen 2020 numbers yet. But, and again, we're going back to the, like how I say, I teach it in 4-H after school, 4-H clubs, um, all those different ways that we reach young people, 4-H camps to teach them through shooting sports. But yeah, 20,000 volunteers reaching a half million kids is pretty awesome. So what does that look like in Nebraska then? In Nebraska in 2020, kind of a tough year, right? Because we couldn't be in person. We reached 4,136 youth. And the year before that was 4,490, kind of around that 45, 4,000 to 4,500 mark. So big question, how many of those are female, right? And in the female world, we reached about 1,500 um, each of those years. So in 2020 is 1,432 and 2019 was 1,502. And so that's 1,500. Uh, females in Nebraska, correct? In Nebraska. So one awesome. third of those that are participating in 4-H shooting sports in Nebraska were female. And that's uh, age, just to be clear, that's age 8 to 18? Absolutely. So age 8 to 18, you are absolutely correct. And everything, we have what's called 4-H age. So on January 1st, how old are you? And that determines um, when you can actually participate in the 4-H shooting sports world. We do have a program called Clover Kids that does not involve 4-H shooting sports. It's age five, six, and seven. But what's awesome about that is Julia and I developed an outdoor skills program <laughs> for Clover Kids. And so they learned anything from how to call frogs to identifying a little bit of scat and feathers and some fun activities like that that really sets the stage then. For when they decide they want to go out hunting, fishing, and shooting. Yeah, you know, we, we've been talking about, we've just been talking about that competition level, and that's not necessarily the county fair. You know, sometimes when we, we, we connect our 4-H competition just to the county fair, but this national competition, even regional and state competitions, that's completely separate than 
our county and state fairs. Is that correct? Across the whole state, maybe the nation too? Yeah, absolutely. So we have different, even within Nebraska, we have different um, competitions that people want to go that way. Um, but clearly there are people that do not want to compete and they just strictly want to participate in what we call the bottom of the pyramid or our foundation, the education part. And then the next part of our pyramid goes up to recreation where they learn these lifelong skills um, that helps them be outdoors and be healthy. And then the top of the pyramid, the smallest amount are actually those that want to compete. So if they do want to take it to the competition, um, like Panhandle of Nebraska has what's called Panhandle Best, and they bring the BB gun and air rifle shooters together. And then we have um, the, like the statewide competition too for BB gun and shotgun, muzzle loading, all of our um, different disciplines. So there's a lot of different ways to compete. Um, some states have what's called postal matches where you actually send in your targets. And I'm not for sure if um, Kansas and Iowa and Missouri have those or not, but definitely something to look into in your state because you don't always have to travel. You don't always have to compete. But my daughter is a prime example of somebody that was not competitive at all. Um, she was in it for the social aspect. So her goal, like the year that she made the Nebraska team for archery, she found out what the person the previous year had shot. And then she set her goal to reach that. So she could go to Texas is where the championships were back in that day and to meet people, which was great for me because when championships came back to Nebraska, she recruited all those friends to come up and volunteer. And, and we see that a lot that Yes, there's people that want to be competitive, but there's plenty of people that are in it for that family atmosphere, the social aspect, or just wanting to learn different skills and who that opens up the door to. And several people that volunteer at the championships that I coordinate, um, the volunteers are, were actually a part of the Olympics. And so Julia, you've met Brett who, um, <laughs> I forget yeah. what year he shot at Olympics in the shotgun area. And we have Olympic development coaches that come out and volunteer as um, chief range officers. So you just get to meet the neatest down home grassroots people. Oh, yeah. Yep. Both from the youth uh, to the adult perspective. I will never forget when and I helped score uh, the shotgun range at that national competition and it, um, it was like the most polite kids thank you ma'am oh they were just absolute just the polite and the leadership part of it um yeah the, some of those states were very competitive you stayed away from texas but i mean <laughs> they are very competitive every year i was there they were very competitive but they were also top-notch respectful and leaders so yeah it, it, it's all in all combination together um i had I a comment archery and shotgun at the national championships like the best of the best um yeah. in archery and shotgun there were malfunctions of the bow and the shotgun in this case and kids from other states ran to their vehicles and got their backup and gave it to their competitors that's awesome and that's, that's awesome that's, that's just that whole, I pledge my heart, yeah. hands, and health that 4-H does. And those kids live by that 4-H pledge. Right. And 
you know, at, at that county, that local level, I witnessed that here, uh, it, we're in Lancaster County in Lincoln, and there is a club that meets in the building, the Outdoor Education Center in Lincoln. And, you know, they, they when they were able to get together prior to, to COVID, they had a blast. They would just meet together once a week, practice their skills, little friendly competition, uh, but just have fun coming in all over the county. And like you said, that, that camaraderie and in social time as well. So that's yeah, yeah, great. Several of your right. kids that practice at your range become our 4-H Shooting Sports Ambassadors. Exactly. And ambassadors, like they were teaching, like our ambassadors of Nebraska had an Easter egg hunt during the pandemic where you set out an egg and they had to shoot it or do something a special way. And they made a clover kid part two, right? Where you, they have the best decorated eggs since the clover kids um, can't shoot in 4-H sports, but the leadership part that comes out in the youth that you're talking about, Julian, when I've been at your range, just privately as a citizen there to shoot, um, those kids always seem to be hanging around and it's just <laughs> so fun to see them. And a lot of them have been hired by you guys. So it's fun to see the leadership skills that develop out of the camaraderie and friendships and that connection to that caring adult. So Tammy, you've talked a little bit um, throughout your journey and through some of the other conversations we've been having so far this morning about some of the, the kind of the bucket categories of disciplines like archery, muzzleloading, shotgun. Could you dive in a little bit deeper and, and talk about what those kids are actually doing um, during those um, different disciplines in regards to, you know, are they shooting trap? Are they, you know, what, what types of activities are they doing with the, those different implements and those dis- disciplines? Yeah, definitely. Shotgun, we have about 1,800 members that participate in shotgun each year. And mainly in Nebraska, you're going to see trap. Um, If they go on for competition, they're going to do trap, skeet, and sporting plays. So for those of you that don't know trap, that's when five positions are up at the line and there's um, a rock, usually colored orange, that gets thrown up into the air and they shoot at it and try to break that. So that's what trap is. Sporting clays, you might have different targets that are coming out from what we call different houses or different positions. And then skeet, I'm not as familiar with skeet. So, but that is a fun one and definitely that we see more down in the South. In BB gun, um, at a weekly practice, they are learning the different positions. So they learn to shoot laying down, which is called prone, um, sitting or kneeling, and then standing. And they're learning how to load that firearm, um, what kind of targets, and then how to score. Air rifle is much that way too, except in that case, you're putting um, forced air behind that um, projectile to get it down range to the target. And 22 rifle, you also do the different positions that we just talked about. And the 22 um, doesn't have to be shot outside unless you have a range like Julia's that's set up for shooting inside. And that's a little bit higher powered firearm, but still pretty safe. And 22 pistol is the same way. And then archery, you can shoot a compound bow. So it has cams or what looks like wheels at the top and the bottom of the bow. Or you can shoot traditional or what's known as recurve, where you actually have that string on the bow And the farther you pull it back, the more pounds you're pulling. And so you really learn about how far to pull back to get the arrow where you want it to go and what your body can handle. Um, Muzzle loader is so much fun. 
powder patch ball, powder patch ball, it won't shoot at all without powder patch ball. And so it's all about putting the right ingredients into the barrel of the firearm. And so if you see the little cowboy Western movies, that's what makes me think of a muzzleloader because you have to put the gunpowder in first, followed by a patch that has lubricant on it. It kind of looks like um, those little cotton swabs you like wash your face with that you can buy. And then you have a ball and a steel ball that you put down the barrel. You got to kind of punch it down. So um, muzzleloader shoots at some really fun targets. They have bottles and critters and things like that. That's fun to see. And then hunting skills, great discipline. Um, I love hunting skills because if you are a person that hasn't shot before and wants to get out in nature, but maybe you're not for sure if you want to shoot or not, it also teaches you to shoot with a camera. And so you can, you, all the same hunting skills that you need to go out and harvest a deer or harvest a turkey are the same ones that you can use to take great pictures of those. And I have a video that I just got sent for a coyote call lesson I got, I do for kids and she went out with her husband and it's not that she doesn't hunt, but she's also a professional photographer. And she sent me great videos and pictures of them calling in the coyotes using, um, a distressed rabbit call. Those are some of the different things that you'll do in those disciplines and they're all fun. And now I got to plug Western Heritage. It's a pretty new project in 4 In Western Heritage, they just had a program on Monday night. Hopefully if you're interested, it's from the 1850s to the 1900s and you use replicas of period firearms from that time, but you also assume a persona. And so I was just thinking about mine when I was down at the Fort Worth Stockyards this last week. I think I'm going to be Tam Shaver. I'm going to be this person that like came in on Galveston Island and the, the Ellis Island of the South and, and migrated up to Nebraska following the cattle drives. And, um, but yeah, so in that, I'm going to be able to dress up in period costume and I'm going to have to make my costume and get that persona on, go through an interview. And then you look at like kind of the old West cowboy shooting towns and so they put the firearms on the table. So there might be a, a revolver on the table. There might be a rifle on the table. And you're shooting at these different targets um, downrange of as you're dressed up from the 1850s to the 1900s. And we're just starting that program in Nebraska, Missouri, Kansas. You guys have a great program in it. I'm not for sure where Iowa's at, but uh, very excited about Western Heritage. And that's the next one I want to get certified in. And bring to my young people so they can really understand that how the firearm industry has developed and shooting sports. And then also, cause I think it makes them an informed citizen as we look at the different laws that people try to enact around firearms and, and understanding Pittman Roberts and how that helps fund um, so many of the hunter education programs and wildlife programs. So looking forward to Western heritage and going through that history What's interesting on that, it was developed in Montana and the researcher that developed Western Heritage did a study on those kids that started. And what they found out is they were more interested in their schoolwork after taking that project and they were able to focus better in school. We, I also know there's a study out there about archery is the same way that kids, when they learn how to focus on archery, focus better in school. I'm passionate about youth, right? As you could tell, talking to me and just any more things that I can do to help kids be successful in life is awesome while passing along the leg legacy and traditions that I grew up 
around hunting, fishing, camping, and shooting. Adding on to that connectivity of wanting to be interested in your schoolwork, uh, Tammy is one of the instructors at a youth event that the Game and Parks Commission hosts annually at our parks. And that's the Outdoor Discovery Program where we have every year, it's a two-day event, and each day we have a thousand fourth and fifth graders participate in this event. There was a school that the, the new principal was not going to allow them to go to this event anymore because of budget cuts. And I said, you know, here is an, a, a curriculum outlay of what we're doing. And I connected the fourth grade curriculum to what they're learning. For example, atlatl or spear throwing. And that is right there within that history curriculum of the fourth graders. Excuse me, the administration had that aha moment. And they said, okay, you know, l- let's try it. And that school has now attended every year. The kids, the teachers, they instantly register and they participate in those activities that connects to the history of the classroom. And so once they throw that spear at a large mammoth or a saber-toothed tiger, they have that connectivity to what they've learned in the classroom. And it make, it gives them that aha moment. So yeah, Tammy, it, it's, it's that hands-on component and so many of those opportunities that they, they learn outside of the actual classroom. I just wanted to say that it's such a cool way to introduce cowboy action shooting in where you really kind of get that feeling of living, you know, 1850s and 1900s. It's a, such a turning point in our nation's history and, and kind of where we got a lot of our our, uh, our background and, and focus. So it's, it's cool to, to bring it to the forefront and, and to kind of live it, if you will. It, it really does bring the textbook to life. So what a cool thing. Well, Tammy, your answers have been just so robust and so wonderful. And for everybody following along, I do want to make sure that we plug the website a little bit so they can get to learn more. Um, that website is 4-hshootingsports.org. And it's actually led by the statement skills for life, which is so interesting because we've talked about that a lot today about those life skills and some of those activities with STEM. So um, that's really cool. And also right now we've, you know, in the midst of a pandemic and everything that's going on in the world, I've noticed that on your website, there are some opportunities for online education programs. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Um, Are those free for anybody to access and watch? Or is that something that you have to be a member of 4-H to get involved with or to view? Can you talk to us about that? Um, All of the above, right? (laughs) And so like Florida offered a a shotgun program um, that you had to be a member of and log in to participate and that had a cost to it. But when you're looking at the Western Heritage that's being offered once a month to introduce that project, um, that is free. You simply just follow 4-H Shooting Sports on Facebook or like you said, on the website and you can go ahead and log in and they tell you what supplies to have handy um, so you can do those programs. And then almost any of the programs online for 4-H Shooting Sports that are coming out of different counties around the nation, they are all free. And most of those are 30 to 60 minutes. So definitely a good time frame to follow on there. And then on Target Tuesdays, if you want to meet Olympians that have their start in 4-H or that are giving advice to starting 4-Hers that want to be competitive, that program is coming out of Washington. 
And so on target Tuesdays might be something that people want to partake in. Um, you do have to register for that, but that is free to meet the Olympians. Wow, I love that there are so many opportunities available. Um, you know, depending on your learning style, your environment, people always have access to those 4-H uh, resources and opportunities. And that's just absolutely wonderful. Kind of going a different route here, we all work for natural resource offices, um, for wildlife and parks offices. So I'm curious about how you might work with our offices, work with Hunter Education in general. Um, is there a lot of partnership there? Absolutely. So when, I don't remember what the 3R plan was called before it was 3R, but this whole idea of recruit, reactivate, and to get hunters really involved in RDR, thanks to Julie, that's what it's called, the RDR. That is where I really got introduced to Game and Parks. And they had sent out a call basically saying, hey, anybody that's interested in these different topics, join us. And so I did. So meeting with their education department and with ours, and that's how we developed a program now that covers kindergarten through eighth grade, and it's called Outdoor Skills. And the Outdoor Skills program, we have kindergarten through second grade, and then a third and fourth grade, a fifth through sixth, or that's my favorite one, right? You get to call turkeys and um, get to go fishing and things like that. We developed that curriculum that now has been adopted by Nebraska 4-H, and I serve as the, the superintendent at the State Fair of Conservation and Wildlife. And so we've put those 4-H projects in there, but yet Game and Parks um, put their specialty on it. The other part of our partnership is they come out and judge at the State Fair for us. And so they're, they're fishing people, they're hunting people, they're education people. They come out, um, Project Wet, um, those, those educators, they come out and judge exhibits at the Nebraska State Fair for us. And then another key partnership that we have is with Nebraska Game and Parks Outdoor Expos. And so several of the extension educators volunteer to go in and teach different assignments, which this year was fantastic because we were already teaching online. And so when they ended up having to go virtual, um, we were able to come in and help with the, some of those programs to go virtual. So those are some of the main programs besides, you know, the youth fishing instructors from Game and Parks come out and volunteer for my 4-H workshops and they loan us equipment and they also come out and volunteer at the National 4-H Shooting Sports Championships. Several different partnerships that we're continually working on. And our hunter ed instructors are out there, out and about. The Game and Parks hunt certified hunter ed instructors are also instructors that are leading the charge at the county level uh, for those those clubs and, and training. And uh, yes, I absolutely am so thankful for the extension out there for that connectivity and developing and spreading the word. You know, we, we have at Game and Parks agents level, we can come up with that content, um, but the extension helps us put it to perspective of how do we present it to youth and then they help us spread the word at the county level and so it's it definitely has been a partnership and then also at the game and parks level when they have kids of their own uh, they, they get their own kids making those 4-H projects at the at the fairs too. <laughs> the other great thing about our education um, not only is the combination of the hunter ed instructor right they go through the hunter ed instructor training to get those real basics of hunting and things like that. 
And then they come to 4-H to get that youth development side and really hone their teaching and coaching skills. And when you take those instructors that have been through both, they are just phenomenal and some of my favorites. And it allows us to offer hunter education within the 4-H club setting and the 4-H club practice. We do that here in our county. Um, the other thing that I love about hunter education is hunter education tools, HE tools. And this is something that I have downloaded on my computer and I use it all the time. And as I'm teaching, teaching and coaching skills to the 4-H Genie Sports leaders, I am showing them that amazing resources Hunter Education has put together and made public. So if you haven't checked out HE Tools, it shows you like all the different types of shotgun and how they load. And each one is like 30 seconds and it's animated. And not only do our instructors just get it then, some of those, but it's also great for the kids and the kids can go back and rewatch that and really like learn the different parts of the shotgun and different types of hunting that it's used for. So hunter education just absolutely feeds 4-H and hopefully then we feed 4-H members through the hunter education program. Also. No, that's awesome, Tammy. And it's such a great way that, that both programs and both agencies, organizations can, can work together and, and share those resources and that knowledge. And like you said, between getting trained in both, you really improve the, the overall quality that, that that instructor has to, to give to the public. And it's just so awesome. Um, you know, we've seen several that have in Iowa too, that have, have done both. And you can just really see that the quality of their program and their, their interaction and the way they work with the youth and even adults improve um, immensely and, and just their comfort level too. Kind of talking a little bit more into the, the instructor realm of thing. I don't know if you guys are seeing it on the same side, on the 4-H side, but but definitely we're getting at a pivotal point in the, in the Hunter Ed world where, you know, a lot of our instructors started when the, these programs were getting off the ground in our respective states. So we have several in Iowa that have hit that 50-year mark, that 60-year mark. And, you know, they're getting towards the end of their volunteerism. And we really need to capitalize and, and get some new blood in there and some new folks coming um, into the fold where there's still that opportunity for all that wisdom, that experience to be to be transferred over before they decide to to hang it up and, and actually re retire and enjoy life um, for the for their, their last um, year or so. Um, are you guys seeing, you know, that decline? Is there um, a need on the 4-H side as well to, to start getting um, some newer folks in engaged while we still have that opportunity to, to have some good mentors and, and knowledge transfer take place? Absolutely. Well, and especially with this last year, right, where a lot of trainings got canceled. So in 2019, we had 116 new instructors that we trained. And this last year in 2020, we were only able to train 67. And so that is going to show a hit to our program as we move forward. What we really see in the 4-H world as a person's um, children age out of 4-H as they get to be 18, that the parent takes on new, new hobbies in life, right? Now that their kids are gone. So yes, we definitely need new instructors and you are right. Whenever we compare them with the group that has that wisdom and bring in the new ideas and the new curriculum and combine them and help them become a team, that is really what we want to see. So if people decide to volunteer for 4-H, which we hope they do, or Hunter Education, we would really like them to see the mentors that are out there and know that they won't be alone, that there are a lot of people there to help them. But like you said, those people are ready to leave their legacy onto the next person and, and to move on to their next hobby. So yes, 
we're starting to see some of that decline, but the training programs are just phenomenal in both programs. And so we hope that people really look into it. It's been such a great conversation, Tammy. I really enjoyed you uh, just kind of imparting your knowledge on us and and really digging into the, the 4-H land and, and explaining a little bit more. It's been really informative. I just want to plug the website again. It is 4-H shooting sports spelled out.org. So head over there. You can find lots of resources. Just wanted to turn it back over to you one last time. Do you have anything else you'd like to, to share with our listeners? I want to plug some young females that have inspired me based off of their 4-H career. And so Shania was a 4-H shooting sports ambassador for me. And she went on to become a guide and fishing hunt and went to school in Kansas to learn how to do that. And Morgan, she went on to shoot for Hastings College and now just finished boot camp and has chosen a career path in the military, which um, 4-H shooting sports helped feed. And then Sarah, I mentioned earlier, um, she went on to shoot for the University of Kentucky and just became a phenomenal shooter and now is a wife of somebody that's going to the Tokyo Olympics and um, being his support as well as her own shooting sports career and works for one of the major industry partners in marketing. And so she's taken her um, ability to make friends and deal with people and her knowledge of shooting sports into a career to keep help building this legacy. So, and then all of you, thank you for being strong women in the outdoors so we can get more people in the outdoors and appreciating that legacy that we want to leave to the next generation. What a great way to, to wrap up the segment, Tammy. You know, we never really kind of step back and think about the folks that uh, we have an influence on and, and the inspirations that they they take the, the lessons learned from some of these these programs that we all have to offer and, and what they do with them in life. So it's so cool to hear uh, where folks are at after they've went through the programs and the impacts that the program have had on the, on the rest of their lives. Also cool tie-in that, you know, you mentioned you're one of your folks um, went to the University of Kentucky and, and, and Ashley Peterson that we talked about at the beginning. She also um, shot there and was a, an alternate on the Olympic team back in her days. So it's just such a cool tie and it just shows the impact that those shooting sports programs really have and, and the ability that um, those folks going through the programs have to take it to that level as we're, we're seeing several of, of those folks that are competing nowadays on the, the national and the world um, stage got their start in 4-H. So just such a, it's such a cool, cool tie-in. So definitely want to thank you again for joining us today, Tammy. And thank you all of you out there for tuning in to this week's episode of She Goes Outdoors podcast. Definitely want to put a little bug out here. You guys have just a little over one week left if you want to take advantage of of securing your outdoor cooking subscription box. Um, That's going to wrap up on Friday, February 5th. So make sure you get out to She Goes Outdoors website and get that purchased. Um, You definitely don't want to miss out on this one at all. It's going to have a lot of great products and we're, we're getting a lot of great industry partners on board um, with this one. So, so don't miss out and get yours secured today. And also don't forget to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or She Goes Outdoors website, sgooutdoors.com. Thank you again for joining us and we will see you outdoors. Mm -hmm.